called egg cream that has no egg and has no cream. That is deceptive. So pork butt ain't the butt, John. They hold it together with this gelatinous substance and then they slice the damn thing. Rocky Mountain oysters, I love oysters. No one else has ever made that observation. That is a first right here on Smart Dribble. Calling all listeners, it's time, that time, for Smart Dribble. A new episode is whistling into your ears as we speak. Kurt Schneider here with... John Ellenthal. Hello, Kurt. Hello, everybody. You started off with whistling. What would you say your favorite song is that has a big whistling component? I'm thinking of like the theme song of Andy Griffith, or maybe Bobby McFerrin. Don't worry, be happy. Do you have a favorite, Kurt? Well, there's Bridge Over the River Kwai. But I think my favorite, and I have a good story about this, is Doc of the Bay, Otis Redding. And here's what happened. He wrote Doc of the Bay. He's on top of the world. The Monterey Jazz Festival was amazing. Aretha Franklin just took the song. He wrote Respect and made a hit out of it. He writes Doc of the Bay, which is a story about him, this poor Georgia guy who ends up in San Francisco. He writes it and says, ooh, there's one more verse here. I don't know the words to it, so I'm going to just whistle right now as a placeholder. And I'm going to write it in when I get back to San Francisco after these two concerts. Uh Oh, of course, died, died in a plane crash in Wisconsin, and he never got to finish it. The irony is that's like the iconic verse in the whole thing. Do you think that if we whistled through an entire episode of Smart Dribble with the intention to replace it with words later and never did, that it could become our iconic episode, Kurt? <laughs> well, both of us have watched the Get Back documentary on the Beatles. And yep. to see that creative process where they're just strumming with googly gook jabberwocky words it's pretty amazing. And then the words come into play. It's a the creative process is fascinating. It is. So let's begin our creative process, Kurt, by kicking off this episode. And not surprisingly, words have a lot to do with it. You and I were recently discussing certain foods, Kurt, that have really misplaced names. It would be fair to call them misnamed foods or even deceptively named foods, because some of the names are flat-out deceptive. You're much more right on that. I think deceptive is a fantastic word for it, because I think people are outright trying to deceive us in some of these names, and I've been deceived, and then I don't like what happened. Let's talk about some of the classics, and then we'll spend the balance of the episode talking about the lesser-known deceptively named foods. But I think if you're thinking about the classics, the Pantheon, you have to have buffalo wings in there because, of course, buffalo wings are not the wings of buffalo, in large part because there are no wings on buffalo. And their chicken wings, which, of course, are named buffalo wings because how they're prepared and the special sauce originated in a bar in Buffalo. What else do you have for the classics, Kurt? Well, I mean, one of the things that hit me the other day, I was making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. 
There are no peas in peanuts, and there's no nuts in peanuts. It's actually fact. a legume. Yeah, so neither are true on that. And then if you take that, what I was going to have, the jelly, I was having strawberry jelly. No straw in strawberries. That is true. There is no straw in strawberries, which is probably a good thing. I was thinking more along the lines of things like hamburger, which, of course, has no ham. And we know that there was no malintent there because the hamburger originated in Hamburg, Germany, therefore the name. We, however, get confused because, of course, there is no ham. Although there was that classic A1 steak sauce commercial when we were kids. <laughs> yes. A hamburger isn't chopped ham. It's chopped steak. So, God damn it, put some steak sauce, some A1 steak sauce on. I yeah. may not have gotten the copy just right there. The guy, there was a guy who asked for A1 to put on his hamburger and people thought he was crazy. And he said, the hamburger is not chopped ham. Well, then you go with a classic of all classic. My mother grew up in the Bronx, John. Did she Park have a Bronx Chester. accent? She a little bit. Her mother did, but she certainly knew how to do the Bronx cheer. <laughs> That's the Bronx cheer, which is ironic in and of itself because it's not a cheer. It's actually giving a raspberry to someone. By the way, also misnamed because why is that a raspberry? <laughs> That's a whole different topic. So tell us yeah. about your mother's love affair with oh, the egg yeah. cream. So her, her, her favorite drink was an egg cream, John. She loved that. But as you and I know, and now it fits in because it's in this episode, ain't no eggs and ain't no cream and an egg cream, John. So you have this really popular drink, very popular in New York City in particular, called egg cream that has no egg and has no cream. That is deceptive. What's in an egg cream, Kurt? Chocolate syrup seltzer and milk, I believe. Right. So there are a couple of prevailing theories for why it's called the egg cream. I think you're going to like one of these theories much better than the other. But back when they were making egg creams in the 50s, they used grade A milk. And some people believe they referred to it as chocolate A cream, which could very easily start to sound like chocolate egg cream. So that one feels kind of unfulfilling. However, Yes. If I may speak a little Yiddish here, which I'm not so good at, there is a Yiddish expression which means pure sweetness, and the term is ekt keem. So you That's can it. see how ekt keem could be Americanized into egg cream, even though there's no egg or cream. What does ekt keem mean? Pure sweetness. No reference to Walter Payton. Ekt keem. Egg cream, of course. That ha- I, you know what? I'm betting it my whole life savings, which isn't too much, on that right now. That's where it came from. All right, lock well, it in there, Regis. Right, we're gonna we're gonna lock that one in. So you have other drinks, by the way. Like my mom's second favorite drink, also popular in the Bronx, cream soda. There's no cream in that. And what about root beer or birch beer? Or how about another drink, cold duck? which you'll be happy to hear, doesn't have any duck in it. So cold duck, which I think is sparkling burgundy and champagne, no duck. I don't know why they call it cold duck. There is some belief that whatever the original German name, because it was a very popular drink in that part of the world, whatever the German name was, sounds a little bit like cold duck. We had it when I was a kid. And it was, we had Andre cold duck. And I remember Andre, it was like the cheapest <laughs> thing you could buy when you were underage and went to the liquor store. 
you know what I used to do? I used to go in and buy the cheapest bottle of wine that had a French name on it. And I thought that was fancy. And there began your love affair with anything French, although possibly not with French dressing, at least the American version of French dressing, because... The French dressing was not made in France. Well, let's just do this correctly, go down, because we can just get this whole segment together. French dressing, not from France. French fries, not from France. Russian dressing, not from Russia. <laughs> Thousand Island dressing, not from Thousand Island. Ranch dressing from a ranch, yes. Okay, so you've opened up a couple windows there. One, we need to talk about the French fry. And two, Thousand Island dressing actually comes from the Sea of Milk off the coast of Ohio, where Captain Crunch is from. Quisp! That was the cereal we didn't bring up the other time. Quisp, I loved that as a kid. Kurt, what episode are you talking about? I don't know. All right. So we can't we can't just leave French fries there. French fries, which come from Belgium, home frites, were discovered by American soldiers in World War II. They thought they were delicious. And of course, they are. But because in the part of Belgium where the American troops experienced palm frites, they spoke French, they then called them French fries. So. The Belgians might have lost out to that one, but guess what they won on? Also, not with the problem. The waffle. Brussels sprouts. Not from Belgium, not from Brussels. The reason why, Brussels sprouts have been around forever, for millennia. Thomas Jefferson, when he was in France, being the diplomat, the ambassador to France, the United States, went While over to Belgium. While we fought the Revolutionary War here. Went, yes, went to Brussels. And enjoyed this and brought them back and said, oh, these are Brussels sprouts, even though they weren't. But that's where we get the name now, because Thomas Jefferson brought them back from where he ate them in Brussels. That's why he is considered one of the forefathers of America. Speaking of Brussels sprouts, have you ever eaten a Jerusalem artichoke, Kurt? Yes, delicious. Can I tell you something about Jerusalem artichokes? My guess is neither from Jerusalem nor an artichoke. They are neither from Jerusalem, nothing to do with Jerusalem, and they're not an artichoke. They're some sort of root. However, however, they're the, what is the Italian word for sunflower? Girasol. There are some people that believe that girasol turned into Jerusalem, and that's how this particular root got its name. I 100% agree with that because if you've been to Rome, in the Jewish quarter there, the old Jewish quarter, that you can have the, oh, this doesn't fit. The with inflation, it's actually the Jewish half dollar now. The, <laughs> That's pretty droll. They have the most amazing grilled artichokes in the Jewish quarter, but they're not Jerusalem artichokes, but they are great there. I recommend people go there. All right. So here's where we get back to the deception. Okay, John? Okay. This is a classic, and there are classics of the deception. I'm going to give you an American one first. Hey, I'm in the West, and I look at someone on the, on the menu, Rocky Mountain oysters. I love oysters, forgetting that it's a landlocked state, and I order Rocky Mountain oysters. Am I getting oysters, John? I believe you're getting bull's testicles, Kurt. I'm getting bull's testicles, John. I'm not getting oysters. Deception. Well, I think in that case, it is intentional. I think that is an intentionally chosen humorous name. 
And of course, Rocky Mountain oysters also go by the name of calf fries in Texas, where I think there's a similar amount of humor going on. So in those cases, I believe they are intentionally, in a playful way, trying to deceive. Whereas in the spotted dick, that is actually, actually has a good reason for being spotted dick. Now, admittedly, spotted dick hasn't aged well, which is why a company in Wales back like in 2009 tried to change the name of spotted dick, which by the way, next time you're in stop and shop, you will find spotted dick on the shelves. They tried to change it to spotted Richard, but that didn't really catch on. But the reason it's called spotted dick is it's really a traditional English steamed pudding. It's a dessert. And the spotted part comes from the fact that there is a bunch of raisins or currants in the pudding creating the appearance of spots. And the term dick back in old fashioned times was another word for pudding. So no deception there. But I would tell you that would be deception of the good kind. How so? Well, if someone were forcing me to eat spotted dick and I was it ended up not being spotted phallus, but it ended up being a wonderful, delicious, sweet, savory dessert with currants and raisins. I'd like that deception. So which one do you want to eat? Just so I'm clear. I'm okay with deceptions the other way that seem kind of off-putting or no pun intended. Off-putting or off-dick if you were in Old English. Exactly. It ended up being correct. What I don't like are Rocky Mountain oysters. Or are you ready for this one? Which I've fallen prey to many years ago. Sweetbreads. That's not bread, is it, Kurt? Ain't no bread, John. You know what that is? Not sweet either. No, it is the pancreas or the thymus of a young calf. It's the intestines. Yeah, that's not something. I think these Brits are trying to get us there. I think they are. Yeah, I mean, I think it it can be a calf, right? Or a lamb or, or a hog. Now, there is a reason. I don't know where the sweet comes from because while I've never eaten sweet breads, what I've been told is they're not that sweet. In fact, they're mildly flavored. But the word bread, which means something very specific today, there's in English, there used to be a word spelled B-R-A-E-D. Brad. Brad. And that actually meant flesh. So again, as times have changed, the words have changed in meaning. And the next thing you know, you got some thymus gland on your plate. But that's not flesh either. That's inside the flesh. Well, I think it's flesh, right? It's Isn't flesh skin? Well, I think flesh is probably the meat on a body. It's the stuff that ain't bone. So sticking with deceptive, because now that's what I can't think of anything else that these guys are trying to pull one over on me. And I don't like when people try to do that, John. You're very cynical. Well, it's like when I order a gin martini and someone brings me vodka, right? It's deceptive. Well, that's not a deceptive name. That's a deceptive bartender. We're not getting to that now. We're getting into butt, shoulder, what do we call it? Pork butt. So, Curry, tell me about pork butt. So, pork butt ain't the butt, John. But it does come from the pig, Kurt. (laughs) Wasn't that? Hey, that sounds like the newlywed game. It does. uh, So, yes, a famous line that we're not going to repeat about butts. However. It did involve porking. (laughs) Well, it kind of (laughs) did. So the pork butt, there's no butt in the pork butt. It's actually the shoulder. And my guess is 
because when you shot the pig, you put the butt of the gun into your shoulder. And that's where pork butt comes from. And I'm sticking with that. I believe you've made that up, Kurt. Here's one of mine, though. I mean, I know sweetbreads holds a special place for you. Head cheese, which could (laughs) be one of the grossest looking things I've ever seen, which you can still see behind the in the odd deli counter. Not the odd, almost every single one. Maybe I've just screened it out of my brain. But head cheese, not something you're going to find on cheese plate with some gorgonzola or roquefort because it's not cheese it's actually all these little leftover parts of a cow's head or a pig's head and sometimes they throw in feet and hearts and tongues and then just to make it worse to hold all of these scraps together they hold it together with this gelatinous substance and then they slice the damn thing so why I get the head part, why cheese? Because I think that it's like a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. I don't know. I don't think you could give me enough sugar to eat head and tongue and heart parts. So these British seem to be like having some railroad good time with it. And here's another one. And I, I dug into this to find out how and why. Have you ever had Welsh rabbit, John? I've heard of Welsh rarebit, and I know that was served in college at, what is that place called? The Not the yeah. mess hall. The dining hall. Yes, it was served at the dining hall and it sounded like an animal, so but it's not. Welsh, it was originally called Welsh rabbit and that's still the official name. It Over the years, because there is no rabbit in it, someone decided to call it Welsh rarebit, but it was Welsh rabbit. And what the hell does rarebit mean? Nothing, but it, by the way, Welsh rabbit is just basically cheese. It's cheese over crackers. It's actually delicious. But here's the story why it's called Welsh rabbit. The English hated Welsh, you know. Because of how they spell all of their words in that crazy way? Buy yourself a vowel, Wales. It's because the Welsh gave the world Tom Jones and not the English, and they're very jealous about that. No, Your training in history is really paying off for you, Kurt. Well, Tom Jones is a great pop singer, right? So it's not unusual, John. Anyway, so they hated the Welsh and they made fun of the Welsh and they thought the Welsh were poor compared to them. And they thought the Welsh were so poor they couldn't afford rabbit because rabbit was expensive and meat. So they named the dish without any rabbit in it, without any meat in it, just cheese and crackers, which is very inexpensive and cheap. Welsh rabbit to poke fun at the Welsh. Likewise, they did it with their neighbors to the north, who they also hated the Scotch, right? The Scots, and they have something called Scotch woodcock. There's no game birds in Scotch woodcock. Also, that's scrambled eggs and anchovy paste. So they're making fun of the Scotch who couldn't afford game birds and the Welsh who couldn't afford rabbits. Well, that's a lot to make sense of. You want to throw the Irish in there somewhere too? I'm sure they made fun of the Irish too. The Irish. Well, the Irish goodbye, but that's a different. Speaking of the English, which you just spoke of a lot, the English muffin, it's not lost on you, Kurt, that that isn't a muffin. And for that matter, it's not even English. It was created at a bakery in New York City in like the late 1800s, 1880 or so, by a guy who used to live in England, but had moved to America. But it's not English. And that is not a muffin, Kurt. It's a lovely alternative to toast or alternative for a sandwich, but it's not a muffin. And do you know that the Danish 
is not from the Danes. Where's the Danish from? The Danish is not from Amsterdam. It's not from the Netherlands. It's from Austrians. The Danish people, bakers, went on strike. So they had to go to Austria and bring the Austrian bakers in. The Austrian bakers came in and they made these unbelievable breakfast sweets that the Danish people loved so much when the strike was over and those Austrian bakers went home. They made their current guys keep making them and they they liked them so much they became a Danish, even though they're an Austrian. Do you consider the animal cracker a cracker or a cookie? It's a cookie. Yeah. It is a cookie. It's sweet. And for that matter, Boston cream pie, it's a cake. And for that matter, there are no eggs and eggplants. No argument on that one. Chewy and sea bass, not from Chewy and not bass. It's cod. Actually, the Chilean sea bass, its original name was the Patagonian toothfish. But when they put it on menus, it didn't sound so appetizing. So for marketing reasons, they changed it to the Chilean sea bass. And not surprisingly, it sold really well. Staying in the fish category, though, not to give away this one. Have you ever had Bombay duck? No. It's a fish. It's actually a lizard fish, which apparently is even uglier than the Patagonian toothfish. And there are some people who've speculated that because the fish was transported inland on a mail train, which in Hindi is called a DAK, D-A-A-K, you want to pronounce that for us? D-A-A-K in Hindi, that that which is Hindi for post, they thought it became DAK or duck ultimately. But don't be telling me there's duck in duck sauce. And there's no, <laughs> no, and there's no duck in gooey duck. I don't even know what gooey duck is. Gooey duck is one of those things now that's all the rage. It's on cooking shows. If you ever get a good ceviche, chances I are there's a lot ceviche. of gooey. Yeah, or there's a lot of gooey duck in there. Gooey duck is actually just a really large clam. I don't know why it's called gooey duck, but it's a large clam. When you think of the gooey duck, when you think of duck sauce, when you think of Bombay duck, when you think of cold duck, the word duck plays a prominent role in deceptive food names. No one else has ever made that observation. That is a first right here on Smart Drivel. And if you get sweetbreads and you get really upset, the waiter better duck when you get upset. I see what you did there, Kurt. So we have to wrap up soon, John. We do, but we can't wrap up without talking about something that has personally confused me more than a few times. And I'm more than a little bit relieved to now know why it's called what it's called. But I was often confused by refried beans and this notion that they actually fry the beans twice. Guess what? They don't. Refried is actually from the Spanish refritos, which means well fried. So refried beans, not twice fried. Twice baked potatoes, however. Twice baked, baby. Twice baked. Like you put little bacon bits on there. and You take it out. You make the mashed potatoes. You put it back in. Oh, yeah. And then you yeah. do the mashed potato, which I mean. Deviled eggs we've talked about. There's no devils in deviled eggs. You think not. But as we're wrapping up, I would like to just say this to you. There are no meat in minced meat. That's right. I I think there may have been once upon a time, but at this point, it's basically chopped nuts and like dried fruits and spices, but no meats. So before we wrap up, there was a really good one 
Oh, so your mention of mincemeat makes me think of plum pudding, which mm. guess what, Kurt? Are there plums in plum pudding? My guess is no. <laughs> no siree, Bob, or else I would be way off point. But plum pudding, no plums. But back in the olden days, the word plum referred to really any dried fruit, like a prune, which of course is a dried plum, currants, raisins. So it had a more general categorical role back then, whereas the plum now is a very specific kind of fruit. But there is no plum in plum pudding. All the Brits, the Brits are doing it to us. You know what else happens to the Brits? You go there and you say, oh, I'll have the standard English breakfast, traditional English breakfast. You know what you're getting on there? Black pudding. Oh, like jello, black pudding. Wonderful. No, 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 no. Not like the pudding you and I loved growing up where we had the jello pudding. Oh, yeah. No. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ask me my favorite flavor of jello pudding. Probably the same as mine. Does it sound butterscotch. like butterscotch? Yes. Butterscotch. Oh, that, was oh, that was the best. It's hard to find butterscotch pudding these days. Let's go black, look for it, Kurt, as soon as we're done recording. Black pudding is basically blood sausage. Yeah, that's not my thing. And what makes it black is actually the blood. So I wonder if that's actually misnamed because it is pudding and it is black. So does that actually meet the test of a deceptively named food? Well, if you're American and you go over there, pudding is misleading. Yes. Okay. It's not pudding, but it is black. So you think of pudding as a dessert and it's definitely not a dessert. I see your point. I, I think as the pudding, as the thing that is, is being deceptive there. Well, that's good. I get that. Deceptive and, foods. All right. Well, before we wrap this up, I don't want you to be worried and think that there are any Eskimos in Eskimo pies. There are no Eskimos and there are no doves in dove bars. So you're free to enjoy those without any concern. And as you sit there and contemplate them, don't worry. There are no exams. There's no tests and testicles. Or, or <laughs> right. Or don't worry, be happy. Bobby McFerrin back to the top of this episode and whistling. And with that, that's probably a good jumping off point. I'm going to enjoy some lady fingers later this evening. Listen, Kurt and I will be back next week with a brand new episode of Smart Dribble. Until then, we hope your week is filled with Smart Dribble. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Kurt. Goodbye, everybody. Enjoy the dock of the bay, everyone. Goodbye. Goodbye.